Leviticus 23. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. These are the Lord's appointed feasts, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of that month, the Lord's Feast of Unleavened Bread begins. For seven days you must eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. For seven days, present an offering made to the Lord by fire. And on the seventh day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He used to wave the sheaf before the Lord, so will we accept it on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. On the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice a burnt offering to the Lord, a lamb a year old without defect, together with its grain offering of two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made to the Lord by fire, a pleasing aroma, and its drink offering of a quarter of a hen of wine. You must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, wherever you live. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves, two loaves made of two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour baked with yeast as a wave offering of firstfruits to the Lord. Present this bread, with this bread seven male lambs, each a year old and without defect, one young bull and two rams. They will be a burnt offering to the Lord together with their grain offerings and drink offerings, an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Then sacrifice one male goat for a sin offering and two lambs, each a year old, for a fellowship offering. The priest is to wave the two lambs before the Lord as a wave offering, together with the bread of the first fruits. They are a sacred offering to the Lord for the priest. On that same day you are to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly, 
commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present an offering made to the Lord by fire. The Lord said to Moses, the tenth day of this, this seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Do no work on that day because it is the day of atonement when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. I will destroy from among his people anyone who does any work on that day. You shall do no work at all. This is to be a lasting ordinance for, your, for the generations to come. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath of rest to you and you must deny yourselves. From the beginning of the ninth day to the, to the month of the month until the following evening, you are to observe your Sabbath. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. For seven days, present offerings made to the Lord by fire, and on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. It is the closing assembly. Do no regular work. These are the Lord's appointed feasts, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing offerings made to the Lord by fire, the burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbaths and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed and all the free will offerings you give to the Lord. So beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of rest and the eighth day also is a day of rest. On the first day you are to take choice fruit from the trees and palm fronds, leafy branches and poplars and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in booths for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in booths so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses announced to the Israelites the appointed feasts of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Will. Well, good morning, everyone. The, uh, this morning, we're, uh, as no doubt you've uh, realised, we're, uh, we're looking at Leviticus 23, but we're not actually going to look at the whole chapter. You might be thinking, why on earth did we just read the entire chapter if we're not looking at the whole chapter? But, uh, but what I want to do this morning is to focus in uh, on really verse uh, 3, which is all about the Sabbath. I want to uh, focus on... Uh, this idea, this notion of the, of the Sabbath that God had told uh, his people to celebrate. And uh, 
you might have realised uh, that in that chapter there were the seven yearly festivals uh, mentioned as well uh, as the weekly Sabbath and, uh, and we might get to those in, in a few weeks' time. But quite a number of people have been talking and asking about the Sabbath recently and so I thought it would be useful just to stop and to take a moment to, to try and understand what it's all about. If you've got a Bible, you probably want to keep it open uh, because we'll be jumping around all over the place uh, as we try to come to grips uh, with what uh, the Sabbath was pointing to. Uh, it's also worth saying that at the end of the sermon there'll be, uh, we're going to have a Q&A time again so if there's any questions that come up during the sermon uh, jot them down and uh, you'll be able to ask it uh, afterwards. <clears throat> as we uh, come to this, uh, this, this topic I suppose of the Sabbath the most important and obvious place to start is by asking what is uh, the Sabbath? What's it about? Uh, the word Sabbath uh, simply means rest, uh, nothing more complicated than that. And that's the main idea, <coughs> excuse me, which is uh, picked up on in uh, verse 3 here of chapter 23. It says there in verse 3, There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work, whether you live, uh, wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. Uh, that verse lists a number of key points. <clears throat> the Sabbath day was the seventh day of the week, uh, so for, for, that would be for us the Saturday. The Saturday. Uh, it was a day of rest when people weren't to do any of their regular work. Uh, it was a day of sacred assembly uh, and it was a day somehow that belonged to the Lord. It was God's day. <clears throat> but to get to the heart uh, of what the Sabbath is about, it's really useful to look, as I said, at some other parts of the Bible. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. So Exodus is, uh, is the book before Leviticus and we'll read from uh, Exodus 20. <coughs> so just to, uh, just to give you a bit of a, a sense of where, where we're at with Exodus 20, uh, God had just rescued the people of uh, Israel from Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt and in Exodus 20 he gives them the Ten Commandments and the Fourth Commandment is the one uh, about the Sabbath. So in verse 8 it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day, Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I'm just going to have a drink so I don't choke. So, what's the point? Well, Exodus, uh, Exodus 20 picks up really on a lot of the same things as uh, Leviticus 23, but it adds some details. Uh, some of the details are this. Uh, the Sabbath wasn't just about rest for the people themselves, but it was about rest for their animals, rest for their servants and rest for foreigners who came to live uh, in the land. Uh, the Sabbath is also linked back to creation. Uh, in Genesis 1 we read about how God created the world in six days. He created it out of nothing. Uh, he, he took six days to do that and on the seventh day God rested and the Sabbath here, uh, the commandment is linked back to that pattern of God in creation. 
Now you might also know that the Ten Commandments get recapped a few books on after Exodus in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 5. So just flick across to Deuteronomy, so Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is, is, uh, is Moses' farewell sermon uh, and he recaps the Ten Commandments at the beginning of that and uh, verses 12 to 15 is, is the Sabbath commandment but, but look at verse 15. So God said, uh, keep the Sabbath, give your servants rest, give your slaves rest as you rest and then verse 15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. What's interesting is that Deuteronomy 5 adds in an extra detail. That is, what's the point behind this Sabbath command? Well, the point is that the people would remember. The people would remember what God had done, how he'd brought them out of Egypt. That's the context in Exodus chapter 20. They've been brought out of Egypt. They've been rescued from slavery. God gives them the Ten Commandments. In Deuteronomy, God says, the point of this Sabbath day rest is that you might remember that I brought you out of Egypt, I rescued you from slavery uh, and have given you rest. You see, the point is that the people had been slaves in Egypt. They'd been owned by masters who didn't love them. They'd been... uh, They'd been owned by people who forced them to do work that they didn't want to do. Their owners drove them into the ground. They didn't give them rest. If you go back to uh, the beginning of Exodus, that's what it's all about, is that uh, they can't keep up with the workload and what happens? The Egyptian masters say, actually, we're going to double the workload. Uh, We're going to make it harder for you to do. They were driven into the ground by this slavery and God had released them from that to give them rest. And God is saying in the, in, in, the, in the Sabbath day, he's saying once a week I want you to stop and remember that I took you from oppression to rest. God released uh, his people from slavery to give them rest. In the New Testament that, uh, that idea of slavery uh, is taken up uh, is taken up to refer to slavery to sin. So in Romans chapter 6, Paul writes, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, uh, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death uh, or to obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obey the form of teaching to which you are entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. What Paul is saying is, before they were Christians, before they knew Christ, they were slaves to sin. They were ruled by sin. They obeyed sin rather than God. They were ruled by sin like a slave master rules a slave. But when these people came to know Christ, When they came to know Jesus, they were released from slavery and they became slaves of God and of righteousness. It makes sense then to understand that what the Sabbath rest was pointing to was rest from slavery to sin. That's what it was always designed to point forward to. In the same way that God had rescued his people from physical slavery in Egypt, from oppression 
in Egypt, in the same way God was saying, I am going to deliver you from slavery to sin through the death and and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this, this then is the point of the Sabbath, the point that it was intended to drive home. Apart from God's saving power in Jesus, each of us is caught up on this treadmill of sin. We're kind of, you know, it's like your worst nightmare where you're running on this treadmill and you can't get off. It's oppressive. Uh, it's, It's enslaving. Our problem isn't simply that we've sinned against God, we've rebelled against God. Our problem is that we're trapped in that, that we're enslaved in that situation and it rules over us. It's our master. Sin is our master. Sin pretends that it's going to give us life and joy and happiness but it gives us misery. It promises freedom but it gives us slavery. It sucks our life away and the point of the Sabbath was was to show people that that, yes, that that was their problem but not only that, that God was going to bring them rest from that. One day in seven the people were forced to stop and to remember that just as God had brought rest in the past, God would bring rest in the future. Uh, You might be new to to church this morning uh, and be wondering what Christianity is all about. You might have been coming for years and yet you still don't really have a grasp on who Jesus is and why it's important to know him and what it means to get saved. But here in the Sabbath we have this beautiful picture of what it's all about. What is it all about? It's about rest. It's about rest from the oppressive mastery of sin. So the Sabbath uh, pointed forward uh, to that rest that comes uh, through Jesus Christ. But there's a second part uh, of the Sabbath kind of... uh, meaning which is important to grasp. Let me uh, read to you again from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, uh, exactly what the Israelites were to remember every time they celebrated the Sabbath. So it says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. See, not only were the Israelites to remember that uh, they'd been rescued from slavery and given rest. More importantly, they needed to remember that God had rescued them from slavery and given them rest. When you go back to the beginning of Exodus, uh, to, the, to the, the part where it tells you about God bringing the people out of Egypt, what you find is that God is the hero of the story. God is the one who raises up Moses. God is the one who spoke to Pharaoh through Moses. God is the one who sent the plagues uh, on Egypt. God is the one uh, who, who, who drove the Egyptians to let the Israelites go free. God is the one who parted the Red Sea. God is the one who destroyed the Egyptian army after they decided to go after the Israelites and try and bring them back. God is the one who brought them out of Egypt. It was God and it was God alone. No one helped him. He did it by himself. Once a week, the Israelites were to stop, they were to rest. That, even in that rest, there was a degree of trust in God. They were to rest, they were to stop their work 
and they were to remember that God had provided in the past. It was God who had done it. It was God who would provide the opportunity for them to rest and it was God who would do that again in the future. That idea then comes to its ultimate fulfilment in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. One of the best places to see that is in Matthew chapter 11. So uh, flick to the New Testament, to the first book of the New Testament, to Matthew, uh, to Matthew 11. So Matthew 11, uh, chapter, uh, verse 28. And Jesus uh, says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Two things are, are worth noting about what Jesus says. The first is that the, uh, the, word, the Greek word behind uh, the word rest that Jesus uses there is the word which is used uh, in the Greek version of the Old Testament to refer to the Sabbath day. So, so when Jesus says, I'm going to give you rest, in the background is this whole notion of the, of the Sabbath in the Old Testament. Jesus is saying, that's what the Sabbath pointed to. What it pointed forward to, that's what I'm bringing uh, the other thing to notice is the subject of the next 14 verses. Uh, most of you will have headings in your Bible for chapter 12 uh, and it might, mine says something like Lord of the Sabbath. But in, the, in those next 14 verses, there's two incidents that are all bound up with, with the Sabbath. So uh, in the first one, Jesus' disciples are walking through a field on the Sabbath and uh, they pick some corn and eat it and the religious leaders uh, don't like that. They, they think that the disciples are working. Uh, in the second incident, uh, incident uh, Jesus heals a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath and again the religious leaders don't like it. They say, what are you doing working on the Sabbath, healing this guy on the Sabbath? And Jesus uh, says to them, look, you guys are wrong. You've misunderstood the Sabbath. You've misunderstood what it's all about. You've turned it from a day of rest into this burden. But Jesus uh, it wasn't just saying to the Pharisees and the religious leaders, look, uh, God gave you a day of rest and you've turned it into, into this you know, huge burden for people instead of it being restful, now it's hard. Uh, Jesus isn't saying, well, now I've come to give you a real day of rest you know, once a week. No, Jesus is, is saying more than that. He's saying that he's come to bring to reality what the Sabbath always pointed to. He's come to bring to reality what? Rest for their souls. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying that he is bringing to reality what was always intended by the Sabbath. He's restoring, to, 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 he's restoring creation to what it was intended to be. So not only did the Sabbath point forward to rest from slavery to sin, it pointed forward to rest from sin, the rest from sin which comes through resting and trusting in Jesus. Over the, uh, the centuries, people have come up with all kinds of ingenious ways of trying to overcome sin. 
They've uh, whipped themselves, they've punished themselves, uh, they've made themselves do penance. Uh, you know, that, that, that is, they've given them some, themselves some kind of punishment like scrubbing a staircase or, or saying the rosary uh, is what happens sometimes in the Catholic Church. Now, some people have worn camel's hair undies, uh, would you believe? Camel's hair is quite uncomfortable by all accounts. But the, 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 the thinking was, you know, there's this sin in my life and I'm trying to get rid of it. You know, people do other things, don't they, in our day, like uh, you have the swear jar or something like that or... You know, other ways, or 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 they they sort of make this bargain. They say, if I if I fall into this sin, then I won't eat chocolate, uh, or something like that. People come up with all these ways of trying to fight sin. But no matter what we try, those things can't release us. It doesn't work. We're slaves to sin. And the only one who can release us is Jesus Christ. Into that reality of being mastered by sin, Jesus says this, come to me, come to me and you will find rest. Only God can do it. That was the message of the Exodus. Only God can do it. You are enslaved, mastered by sin. Trust me, trust my son who will redeem you. Jesus' death paid the price of our release from slavery and his resurrection empowers a new life of following and trusting Jesus. Notice what Jesus says. He says, take my yoke upon you. It's not Jesus isn't releasing us to do whatever he wants. He's releasing us and empowering to walk alongside him, to be like him. That's what it means to be released from the power of sin. Again, you might be uh, new to church this morning and, and, and wondering, well, if this is what the gospel is about, how do I receive it? What does it mean to receive the gospel? You might have been here for a long time and you still don't understand what it means. Or perhaps you've been a Christian for a very long time and you've forgotten what the foundation is. Here is the foundation. Here is the, the most important thing to know about release from sin. What is the key? The key is resting and trusting in Jesus Christ. That's how we're released from slavery to sin. It sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? But that is the message of the gospel. That's the good news. That release from sin's mastery is through trusting in God's amazing son, Jesus. So they really are, I think, the two central messages of the Sabbath. And unfortunately, the two messages, I think, which often get clouded out by debates about other things, uh, about what the Sabbath uh, means today. But I guess that's, a, that's also an important question to answer. Uh, you know, we've seen how the Sabbath pointed forward to Jesus and we've seen how it was fulfilled in him. But I think the, uh, the question that so many people still want to know is, if the Sabbath is, was fulfilled in Jesus... Well, what do we do with it today? Do we still uh, need a day of rest? That's the kind of question that often goes around. And to be honest, it's actually quite a difficult question. Uh, I've spent this week reading <laughs> loads of things about the Sabbath and, and every different book I turn to, someone says uh, something slightly different. The irony is actually that no matter what people say, most, most everyone comes out practically in the same spot, but anyway... Uh, it's kind of interesting but I'll, look I'll, I'll tell you uh, how I think it works 
Many of you uh, will be aware, I think, that there are lots of uh, Christians who've argued through the history of the church that Sunday replaces uh, the Old Testament Sabbath. So in the Old Testament, the Sabbath worked out to be the Saturday, but uh, in the New Testament, because Jesus rose on the first day of the week, he rose on on Sunday, uh, many Christians have argued that that is the most fitting day for for people to have uh, a time of rest. Let me nail my colours to the mast up front and say, I don't think that the Sabbath as the Sabbath remains a binding command of God uh, in the same way that sacrifices, for instance, in the Old Testament, uh, have also been fulfilled and have also been put away by the work of Jesus. There's lots of things like that. Circumcision is another example. Uh, And yet still, each of those things teaches us something about the nature of God and about the wisdom of God. But let let me give you three reasons very briefly why I think that's the case, that the Sabbath is no longer a binding command of God. First, it's been fulfilled in Jesus. We've seen that, haven't we? We've seen what it pointed forward to and we've seen that it's been fulfilled in Christ. The second reason is, uh, and you might have picked up on this as we read through Leviticus chapter 23, is that at the start of that chapter the Sabbath is mentioned and it kind, kind of forms the foundation for everything else in that chapter. So there were seven other festivals and the Sabbath was kind of like the, the one key festival and each of the others unpacked that. Each of them had this continuing emphasis on uh, no regular daily work on, on that particular festival day. The number seven keep, uh, kept coming up. There's seven festivals. There was the uh, event on the seventh day or the seventh month or, and all those kinds of things. Uh, what's more, the Sabbath uh, day was also attached to the notion of a Sabbath year. So every seventh year there would be a year off where they weren't allowed to work the ground or cultivate the ground and every seventh, seventh year, so every 49th year and every 50th year, there'd be the year of Jubilee which was, a, uh, which was another kind of uh, festival attached to the notion of the Sabbath and all those things are kind of tied together in Leviticus. And yet each of those festivals has been put away by the work of Christ uh, and, and, and no Christian celebrates are those other festivals, rightly so, they've been put away by Christ. And so because of that intimate connection between the Sabbath and these other festivals, it makes sense to understand that if those have been put away in the same way the Sabbath has been fulfilled by Christ uh, and put away also. The third and the most important reason, and I think this one is really the clincher in some ways, is that the Sabbath law was particularly connected to the law, to the Ten Commandments, to the well, not just to the Ten Commandments, but to the, to the whole law covenant uh, that God made with the people through Moses. So turn to uh, Exodus chapter 31. Exodus 31. So you kind of have to understand how Exodus fits together to work out what's going on here. But basically... 1 to 19, Israel is redeemed from Egypt. 20 to 31 is, is what's called the, the covenant that God made with the people, uh, the, the binding agreement that God made, punishable by death. Uh, and 20 is the Ten Commandments. And then everything in between there, you get like the priests, the tabernacle, uh, all the regulations for their whole worship system. Uh, that's all there from 20 to 31. And 31 is the end of that, the end of the specifications for how Uh, they were to relate to God. Uh, And then chapter 32 kind of picks up on the story part again, the narrative. 
uh, and the golden calf. So the Sabbath is coming at the end of all these requirements and it says there in verse 12 of chapter 31, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. The Israelites are to observe observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he abstained from work and rested. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the testimony, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. What God was saying to Moses, it's a bit tricky to pick up, but what God was saying to Moses was that the Sabbath was a sign of that whole covenant, that whole relationship uh, defined between God uh, and the people. He brought them out, he gave them the temple, he gave them the priesthood, he gave them all that kind of stuff. And the Sabbath was the sign of that whole arrangement. It was the thing which, which reminded them uh, of, that, of that arrangement. That's why breaking the Sabbath uh, required the death penalty because to disregard the Sabbath was to disregard the whole arrangement that God had made with the people. To disregard the Sabbath was to disregard God's binding agreement. But the New Testament makes clear that not only has Jesus fulfilled that whole arrangement and what it pointed to, but that whole covenant has been put aside, has been put away, it's been done away, it's it's become obsolete, it's passed away. And so to continue to celebrate the Sabbath, whether on a Saturday or a Sunday or any other day of the week, would be to continue to celebrate something which points to, pointed to an obsolete arrangement. It would be to continue uh, to celebrate something which uh, in the history of salvation was tied indelibly to an arrangement which has passed away, an arrangement which has been superseded by the new covenant in Jesus' blood. That's why Paul can say in Colossians 2 verse 16, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Uh, Of of course, uh, the objection to that whole argument goes, uh, well, the Sabbath was grounded, wasn't it, in creation? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was tied up with God's creation activity where he created uh, the world in six days and then rested on the seventh. Uh, and so the idea is, well, if it was around before that whole arrangement with Israel uh, and now that covenant has been put away, well, doesn't it still stand? Doesn't You know, if it's kind of bound up with creation. Uh, but it's not that simple. Uh, marriage is also grounded in creation, isn't it? Uh, God created the world, he created Adam and Eve and and he instituted marriage. And yet, we also know from the New Testament that marriage points forward to our union with Christ. Marriage is fulfilled in our union with Christ. While we wait for the resurrection, marriage remains legitimate and and important. Uh, But at the same time, 
some of the things that Paul and Jesus said about singleness show that the resurrection kind of life, in a sense, is already beginning to push back into our present world. You might remember last week that Jesus said that some people are, are eunuchs, you know, that they remain single for the sake uh, of the kingdom of heaven. The, the resurrection reality, the new creation, if you like, is pushing back into our present world. I think something similar uh, is happening with the Sabbath. Uh, in a sense, we're between times, we're between the old creation and the new creation. We're sort of wedged in between the two. Yes, the Sabbath is grounded in creation, but the Sabbath is fulfilled in God's eternal rest. And when you take that, uh, that idea, that notion together with the fulfilment of the Sabbath in Christ and most importantly the fact that the Sabbath was a sign of that covenant, the old covenant, which has passed away, that begins to suggest that the Sabbath as an obligation, as a legal obligation, has passed away. I think, I think that's really important to understand. I know it might be really confusing, but it, it, it's, that is the crucial fact. It means that the Sabbath law is not like the other laws because it wasn't just another law, it was the sign of that covenant, right? It's a sign of that covenant and that covenant has passed away. When God, God created the world in six days, yes, but then when he instituted that covenant with Israel, he tied it to that covenant so intimately that the implication is that when Jesus did away with that covenant, he must have also done away with the Sabbath as well. So what's the point? The point is this. We still live in an old creation looking forward to a new one. That means that even though the Sabbath is no longer an obligation, it's still a wise and useful and helpful guide for balancing this old creational difficulties of balancing work and rest. We're no longer under an obligation, I don't think, to rest on Saturday or Sunday or any other day but we are still required to be wise in balancing our work and our rest. And I suspect that one day in seven is probably a pretty good, pretty good guide for finding some balance between work and rest. We live in a world where we need rest and the Sabbath law embodied that reality. And the Sabbath gives us that useful shape for balancing uh, the work and rest. You're not obliged to take off every, uh, one day off every seven but if you never take off a day, if you find that the pattern for you is you know, one day every 20, then you're probably being really silly actually. God created a world where that, the kind of rhythm I think of, of, of balance of rest and work Conversely, I think if you're resting for seven days or six days and only working one, then you're kind of missing the boat as well. No, we're designed, I think, to work, you know, six-sevenths of the time, roughly, you know, not to rest and work only every now and again. So the Sabbath, in a way, gives us wisdom rather than obligation. 
as we sit in between the old creation looking ahead to the new. But the Sabbath was never just designed for us. It's not just about us and our rest. The Sabbath was more actually about them and their rest. It was about the rest of those who worked on our behalf, those who worked for us. I think that's actually a much harder issue to address. Uh, Most of us are probably pretty good at taking rest for ourselves, some of us not so much, but we're not so good at letting others rest. Uh, We're not so good at creating opportunities and the possibility of others resting. And to be honest, I think it's really tricky to know how that works out in our society uh, where people don't actually aren't actually employed by us. We employ people indirectly by paying them to do our work kind of uh, on demand. How do we try and provide rest for people in shops and businesses who we pay to do our work, yet we have no say over how they rest and when they rest and if they rest? In that sense, our modern economy raises some unique challenges for which I don't think there's any easy answers, but they're things that we all need to address with prayer uh, and and careful consideration. But the point is, how is the Sabbath relevant to us today? It's relevant in this way, in providing wisdom for a balance between work and rest as we sit between the old creation, in the old creation, awaiting the new. But having said all that, and it's quite a lot, uh, it's important to remember that the key point of the Sabbath is not about providing that wisdom between work and rest. I mean, that's useful, that's helpful, but the key thing is what the Sabbath pointed to. The danger is that we can be so focused on what should I do today and what shouldn't I do today that we miss the point that the Sabbath was always about pointing forward to Jesus setting us free from the mastery and the slavery of sin. The most important thing in thinking about the Sabbath is to remember that it's God who will give us rest from our sin when we trust and rest in his son Jesus. Let me pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the Sabbath and the sign that it was pointing to salvation in Jesus Christ. Thank you for that wonderful image uh, of rest. Lord, uh, our lives are often so busy and tiring and Lord, so often we take that busyness uh, into the spiritual realm uh, and we deceive ourselves into thinking that if only we work harder and uh, try more that somehow all our efforts will conquer sin. And yet, Lord, the Sabbath reminds us that only you can deliver us and set us free when we trust in Jesus. Father, help us to do that And help us, having trusted in him, to find that rest and that easy burden and that light yoke as we follow him. Father, please help us also to achieve a right balance between work 
and rest. Help us to trust you. When we rest, help us to trust that we can rest without the world falling to pieces. Lord, forgive us for taking all these burdens on ourselves and help us every day to remember that salvation belongs to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.